You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. Satan, your kingdom must come down. Satan, your kingdom must come down. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Satan, your kingdom must come down. Gonna pray. Hey there, everybody. This is Danny Anderson thanking you for listening to another episode of the Sectarian Review Podcast. Uh, I know it's been a while. I'm hoping to get back in the swing of things here. But as always, don't hesitate to reach out to me if you have any questions or uh, comments about anything you hear on the um, the show. Uh, I'd love to hear it from people. And that it gets me right into the subject for today. This is one of the more pleasant surprises of the last year for me. Uh, just sort of out of the blue, uh, a filmmaker reached out to me um, to share some of her work. And I was really kind of fascinated with it and I, I sort of uh, canoodled her into uh, appearing on the show for an interview about what she does and so uh, today we're going to be talking with Joe Rue. Joe, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me, Danny. Gosh, I'm so excited about this. Um, people who listen to the show know that I'm a, a big kind of horror fan and the sh- the short that you sent me is called Mary. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, it was really outstanding and, and incidentally, Thank I think you. I told you I showed it to my horror film class and, and they really liked it and I'm actually going to make it a the the object for the, a final exam question for them. <laughs> wow! So uh, I thought it was really really well done, and uh, I'm really excited to talk about that. But also the the larger context of your work, which is really interesting. Uh, I love talking to creators, people who actually do things in the world, uh, and uh, and so this is a real delight for me, Joe. Um, so and also it turns out that we both have roots in Northeast Ohio, which is. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. (laughs) As far as you try to travel, you always come back home, don't you? (laughs) Yes. Cleveland is always with me. Uh, No doubt about it. Uh, I can't can't escape it. Um, Well, let me uh, just tell me a little bit about yourself. You have a background in comedy, uh, formerly with the Upright Citizens Brigade in New York, which I remember uh, from years ago when I lived there in the 90s. Uh, But uh, but go ahead. Yeah. um, So, yeah, I'm from the Northeast Ohio area. Um, I moved to New York in uh, September 2011 and started uh, taking UCB classes, um, getting myself involved in the every part of the theater I could. I was a tech intern. I was a video intern. And, you know, in with that internship, I got to work with uh, a lot of the people that you see on the network TV shows, the comedies that you love today. Um, editing their videos for the YouTube channel that they had. Um, through that, I, I kept just taking classes, eventually got on the house team for a couple years. Um, and, uh, you know, with COVID, everything shut down, moved back to Cleveland and uh, for the time being, and just really loving being involved with the community here um, after, you know, going out to New York and learning all sorts of new stuff. Yeah. And Cleveland, I mean, has a great art scene. I, uh, I just bear with me as I take a second to plug my beloved hometown, but Cleveland, <laughs> you know, for people who aren't yeah. from Cleveland, just think of the river on fire, right? But Cleveland really is a, a diverse and wonderful scene, not just for like food. I think people realize there's lots of great restaurants in Cleveland now, but a really terrific art scene. And, uh, and I'm sure that you're finding lots of really interesting work to do there. Uh, can I ask like how, 
like you got interested in theater slash comedy, um, how a Summit County kid <laughs> ends up going out to uh, New York? Yeah, sure. So I guess it started when I was little and I saw I Love Lucy for the first time. Mm. Um, you know, my mom thought it was important to educate me on like the old TV shows that um, she was inspired by, starting with the Three Stooges, which, <laughs> you know, is like funny, but <laughs> um, I uh, I just fell in love with Lucille Ball and I Love Lucy um, and their the story of how the show came to be, um, you know, just the fact that Desi Arnaz was an immigrant from Cuba. He was fleeing a Bolshevik revolution and, you know, had nothing in New, in New York and then became, you know, Desi Arnaz, the inventor of the rerun and the three camera technique and, and Lucy just, being a beautiful woman, but also not being afraid to be like weird and goofy. Um, so yeah, I love that. Uh, not really much opportunity in the Summit County, Ohio area. Um, would audition for musicals in school growing up. I wasn't a good singer. Uh, I still am not. <laughs> um, so didn't get cast often. Sometimes it would cast me as a funny like the, the funny person without a line or without a, a song. <laughs> but uh, that kind of inspired me to try to make my own stuff because I knew that I had something. I mean, this is all I wanted to do, um, but I, I didn't have the, the platforms for it. So, you know, trying to write my own things, make my own stuff. Um, and then I picked up that book, Truth and Comedy. Okay. Um, and that's when I learned about long form improv um, and seeing all of the good comedians that I see on TV, having that background, I wanted to do that. <laughs> um, you know, probably around high school, maybe right out of high school, 30 rock came out. So another strong female, you know, Tina Fey um, being funny also beautiful but also not playing not that's not like what is leading it's her personality and her quirks um so learning about her knowing that she came from chicago and then new york i was like well what's that path for me i just didn't want to do more of the midwest so i went straight to new york signed up for a ucb class like before i even moved there and then uh, just tried to get involved with other creators as much as possible. Um, you know, through classes, met people who also wanted to make sketches. So, you know, work with them and get involved with college humor. Um, yeah, just, just putting myself out there. <laughs> I, I like how you're emphasizing like the community aspect of this and, and like art, we think of artists as sort of individual geniuses or whatever, but um, almost in every case, it, there's a, there's a community, there's a collaborative um, aspect to this and, and particularly obviously in theater. Um, but no, I think that that's a really important thing to sort of emphasize is the fact that you're, you're not just kind of finding a place for yourself, you're finding a community to join, right? And to contribute to. And, and I think that that's really, really fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, film and theater are both collaborative 
are pieces. You you couldn't have the whole piece. Even a one person show, you need the director, you need right. somebody running sound and lights. Uh, you need the audience. Yeah, <laughs> you know it takes a village. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a small window. I have sort of no theatrical background at all. Uh, at the college I work at here, Mount Aloysius College in Pennsylvania, I always throw a pitch when I can. Uh, we um, uh, have a really great little theater department, though, and a student asked me, she was doing, uh, for her directing class, uh, she needed to direct a scene, and she asked me if I would be in a scene. Uh, and so I had to memorize lines, and of course, but I, I, it was very illuminating to me how much collaborative work went behind just a, a scene with two people on the stage like there's so much note giving and, uh, and and just sort of like experimentation that goes on and uh it was really kind of a, a really wonderful insight for me i had no idea and then i'm sort of extrapolating that out to a, a skip scale of a whole show right <laughs> how much right. how much work goes into that uh it, it gave me a lot of respect <laughs> for what you all do uh, <laughs> so no i really really um i i really appreciate it um who wrote the book truth and comedy actually i just uh if anybody interested in uh, I think it's a Keith Johnston. Okay. And uh, I think Sharna Halpern's on that book as well. It's a, a couple of different people, but Keith, I think, is the main name. Yeah, I'll look for that. That's really interesting. Um, I want to talk about um, comedy as a kind of um, contribution to our social consciousness uh, a little bit later on and relate that to horror, which I think some of your sure. films go into here. Um, and you mentioned I Love Lucy and, of course, the short one of the shorts that uh you've produced and and uh is called i adore dolores and it clearly is a, an homage to that uh to that uh that form and yeah and absolutely if, if anybody wants to check out um joe's work um go to her website which is callmejoe.com j-o just j-o um and you can see little clippets a uh, little uh, collection of, of her of her film work uh and i adore dolores is utterly surreal and bizarre but completely <laughs> rooted in like that classic sitcom form and so i could totally see you sort of working out a uh, your, your your passion for lucille ball there oh yeah absolutely um yeah that talk about a collaborative process that started um I was in Colorado visiting a friend and brought a wig that I just brought. I don't know. I brought a wig. <laughs> like, I didn't pack enough toiletries, but I did bring a wig. <laughs> um, so that's who I am. But uh, somebody who I know from New York is from Denver and was like, I can get you a spot on an improv night if you want. I thought that'd be fun. They're... Uh, one of the shows are like grab these outfits and perform with them, which is not necessarily how I perform improv. I'm usually, we usually do long form improv to a different art form. This kind of felt a little short for me, but whatever, it was cool. Um, I had the wig <laughs> <laughs> and I found a vest and, um, you know, out came a little bit of who Dolores could be. Um, still, still just in its little like kernel phases uh then months later i went to a halloween party where a couple of friends invited me um they were going to this lake house upstate new york and she had to bring a costume i only knew two of the people there um but it was all of their friends so i'm not i was like i don't know what i'm going into just grabbed a couple things it was that gray wig um a 
button up a white button up shirt that was just stained with blood all over from a previous <laughs> sketch that I shot and actually never finished. <laughs> so that happened to you. Um, and some maracas. And I, um, and I just kind of like winged it. Uh, we have this, they had this big reveal where you reveal your characters and mine was Dolores. And, you know, I was a little, uh, socially lubricated with some, you know, libations and whatnot. Um, and so I'm just kind of letting loose whoever this person is and they loved it. It was a hit. And my friend Sam, who was also at that party, who invited me, uh, and I know her from College Humor, um, she was dressed as a clown. And we were talking later that night, like, how funny would it be if these two people lived together in this world? And over the next couple months, we started talking about this, creating um, this world. And then our friend Emily uh, asked to be a part of the project. So, you know, many, many Friday nights with filled with like drinking bottles of wine and singing Chicago soundtrack and just like coming up with like any ideas that would just be, we thought like budget is no object. <laughs> and then later we looked at it, we're like, okay, we should try to arrange this <laughs> if we want to actually make some of this. But um, it was just, I don't know, that was just such an amazing experience, just the writing process and then. We had to do the crowdfunding using what um, what we were able to. We got twenty thousand, I think, total, um, and then just having trying to creatively problem solve how to make this world what was inside our heads when this, you know, when these writing sessions were happening, um, and and just the people who came. Uh, sorry, I'm rambling. I'm no, just, no. Like, I'm going down memory lane thinking about <laughs> um, trying to cast Dorma, the 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 character who plays my estranged stepdaughter, who is a clown by ethnicity in this world. So <laughs> I should say <laughs> it's um, yeah. Do the setup. Yeah. It's a really interesting concept. <laughs> yeah, it's um in a surreal sitcom world. Uh, Dolores Hauker, a manically optimistic divorcee, uh, takes her divorce settlement money and buys the apartment uh, building that her estranged stepdaughter, step clown daughter, is living in under house arrest. <laughs> so, um, and in an effort to make their relationship better, she's, you know. <laughs> infiltrated uh her her stepdaughter's life um yeah and in this world we wanted it very much um like if you were turning on adult swim at like 1 a.m and you saw this you would be like yep <laughs> uh, yeah it has uh, that that a few and, and the the step the well the the ex-husband is basically ronald mcdonald who is like an actual clown <laughs> sort it's not a person, it's, you're like you say, it's an ethnicity, right? And so it's it's really, uh, and then the the apartment building is haunted, and the brick wall talks, and a baby man child comes to sell gardening tools. <laughs> it's really yeah. hilarious and random. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot going on. Yeah, we wanted Ronald McDonald. He's like he's Ronald McDormal. He's a mix of Steve Jobs and Ronald McDonald. So 
Um, yeah, and Dorma is this uh, clown royalty. She was uh, a child star, has been in the public eye her whole life, um, and, you know, has now become... Um, she did something that has uh, canceled her, <laughs> so to speak, which in theory we would get to that in later episodes, but we just shot the pilot. Um, but yeah, that was just auditioning for that person. Um, so many different talented uh, people that I admire. I We auditioned and uh, eventually the person who played it, um, Sarah Natacheni, who's actually the voice of Ash Ketchum, um just just bringing to life this character um exactly the way we wanted and and more so and 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 uh just the set design i don't know just everything um was just so amazing it wouldn't have been possible with just me (laughs) no sure i mean even from the idea stage right it it, it, the idea emerges out of community with other people and um uh in, in in mixture with your kind of passion for these these, you know, foundational sitcoms and, and the kind of genius of Lucille Ball. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's really a fascinating, um, clip. And I want to, uh, l- let me transition into some of the like more thematic questions I suppose I have for sure. you. Uh, one of which is sort of the role of comedy in society. I, the, the name truth in comedy, like just, I don't know what the book is about, but, uh, I suspect it's about the, um, the way in which comedy allows us to sort of say things that need to be said in ways that are uh, both kind of challenging and palpable, right, And um, for us. And so I, I like, for you, for comedy, let's just kind of restrict it to comedy at this point. Sure. Like, what, like, does comedy do for, like, the social fabric? Yeah, I, I mean, there are so many different types of comedy, but, uh, you know, speaking truth to power is so important, Um uh, I think that escapism is also important um, and bringing people together. I think, um, you know, truth in comedy, what makes things funny is that people see the truth in that it resonates with them. So, um, you know, that brings people together. If, uh, if everyone finds something funny Um, you know, whatever your political affiliations are, if this certain, you can still find something funny together. You can still, um, yeah. So I think that that's so important. Um, I, I guess I am a people pleaser. (laughs) I, you know, uh, so I think that comedy has been a great way to, um, make people happy. (laughs) Um, you can, uh, yeah, I don't know. What's the question again? Sorry. Well, no, <laughs> you cut this part out, right? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, I mean, I was, you're getting at my question, which was basically yeah. what it provides to us as a society. And I think that's really important. Um, we have to be able to like, like see our flaws as a society and comedy helps us laugh at that. Right. But we also have to continue on as a functional society, <laughs> right? You can't just fall into yeah. pure nihilism. Right. Uh, and so comedy also sort of brings people together um, as theater does in, as well. There's a, there's a, a church like function uh, for theater. It's a, a communal experience that we have together. Right. And, and comedy is another form of that, that helps us laugh at everything that's wrong with society and come together and doing it right um yeah absolutely and i think a lot of times when people think of comedy they think they think of stand-up and sure um stand-up's great and there's a lot of 
uh, great performances and bits and jokes that can connect you and, you know, properly speak truth to power in a way that resonates with you. I think improv um, is that part of community, especially long form, that I found especially magical. Um, because a lot of times people weren't even trying to be funny is what made it. Uh, when you see really adept improvisers play, they're not trying to make jokes. They're living within these imaginary circumstances. And some of them are not funny. And then some of them just happen to be funny. Um, I, I think that um, I think it's just really magical to, to watch and to be a part of, too. Um, seeing a performance you're never going to get to see again um, and trying to talk about it to somebody who wasn't there. It just never translating. It's like I was on the Polar Express, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> They're like, yeah, that's great. I see you had a bell in your hand. Um, <laughs> so it's just something where I imagine if you go to a great church service or you have a really uh, moving moment with, you know, God, your higher power. Um, yeah, it just connects you to a higher power. I think that also comedy has a great um, uh, ability to do that. I, I also, what I like about comedy is, um, and this is going into your other question, um, about it being similar to horror. Mm -hmm. um, even in the darkest moments, uh, and maybe this is just a coping mechanism that me and millions of other people also have, but there has to be ways where you can find something uh, funny in it and not to be flippant about it, but, um, you know, there, there needs to be a way to look at this kind of comically. Um, uh, so I think that it's a, it's a survival mechanism. I, I totally agree with you. Um, and I think you can get all the way back to like Aristotle's poetics, right. And talk uh, to kind of find uh, the roots for these things and, um, about purging emotions and that sort of thing. Right. And, um, yeah. um, no, but, um, let me, let's move into the, the horror aspect and let's talk about Mary, um, which is, sure. I honestly, it's kind of eerie, honestly, that it, <laughs> That you reached out to me kind of out of the blue. I had no idea. <laughs> I thought it was like a spam email or something at first. And, and then, um, but, um, but, uh, it took for that movie to kind of come into my life when it did was kind of weird and eerie in a lot of ways because I happen to be taking care right now of elderly, uh, my in-laws, they live with us now. And my mom actually has just moved to town after my dad passed. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm like sort of in the position of these characters. Right. So, um, and the, it's, it's not a fun position to be in, um, Sometimes, you know, off, it's very gratifying in many ways, right? But there are moments when it's not and it's kind of stressful and, um, and, but you don't want to, but you feel bad about expressing negative emotions about your duty, right? You know what I'm saying? Right. And, um, but, um, seeing a movie like Mary and just the setup for Mary is there's a, a traveling salesman who goes on a call on the one year anniversary of his mother's death and, um, and the woman who he's trying to sell insurance to may or may not be the ghost of his mother. Right. Uh, and, and she's <laughs> certainly there to torment him about some ill feelings he has about his own neglect, potential neglect of her at the end of her life. Right. And, um, and so it's created into a, a rather a surrealistic sort of almost comic horror film. It doesn't quite go into comedy, but, um, but 
it could with just a nudge here and there. Right. You know, and so, um, yeah, I tried, here and there. <laughs> but, um, but nonetheless, um, so if that to come to my life right now, was just really kind of like, I don't know, just kind of beautiful in its own way. I have to say, so thank you for that. Thank you for reaching out to me. Thank you. Um, yeah. but, um, in my horror phone class, we, of course, are we have a, a couple unit, a unit, um, for Jordan Peele right now, because he's one of the most dominant, predominant horror filmmakers uh, in working today. And I think there was a lot of confusion from a lot of people that the guy from Key and Peele is now like our great horror auteur, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and, and I always push back on that confusion because I feel like comedy and horror are almost like siblings in a lot of ways. And, and I just want to kind of, it's interesting. Even I adore Dolores, is very has a lot of horrific elements. I mean, the idea of a clown person and the baby man and the talking wall and and um, all the things that go on in that um, are really out of horror films, right? And so there seems to be something as a filmmaker now uh, that you're cashing in on that um, to add to your comedy. And I just kind of wanted to know your thoughts on horror and why it is you you're drawn to these stories right now. Yeah. Um... You know, in general, I'm not a super big fan of gore. And I think that that's what a lot of people think when they see or think of horror genre uh, or campy, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, I I think that it is great, but it's just not my uh, vibe necessarily. But what really interests me is the psychological aspect. Um, and that is what really attracted me to this film, Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Laser, uh, amazing playwright, wrote this script. And, um, you know, it had a lot of different elements in it. Um, and there was, you know, we only had a certain amount of time to shoot. So we kind of had to shave and shape some of this down. And what really uh, interested me about the piece was the guilt aspect. Um You know, I do think it's something that every adult and every, you know, every parent and every child has to go through at some point of, you know, either taking care of your parents as they age or not. Um, And, you know, the the responsibilities of um, not even just with parents, but um, just that you have to other people and past relationships and the guilt that you know, haunts you for things that, you know, you may have done uh, wrong. Um, So that is the aspect that I really wanted to explore um, with Mary. And I think that I also did that a little bit. I did that with Dolores as well. Um, You know, a lot of clowns are sad. Lucille Ball, um, her dad died when she was four years old. And uh, her grandfather was... uh, you know, the patriarch of the family uh, during some event when uh, he was uh, teaching the neighborhood kids how to shoot a rifle. One of the kids like heard their mom call, ran and some little boy shot this kid under the guidance of Lucille Ball's grandfather. And through, you know, that event, um they ended up losing everything um he was a uh i don't know what the word was uh but basically communist okay <laughs> uh he was interested in it's pretty common uh, back in that day yeah, honestly yeah, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> so, the, yeah. something the workers 
the workers union. I would have to, uh, I should have done more research. Was he a wobbly? Was he a IWW? Um, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm just thinking, I don't know. No, uh, something, I think something with workers in it, uh, workers union, but, uh, basically the the town blackballed him mm. and they were losing everything um so anyway i think that really shaped her mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know uh she was always sad and trying to get out of that by creating comedy and trying to see comedy in, in everything and i think that i resonated with that my father passed away when i was young and you know, I've through, you know, a series like series of, uh, you know, unfortunate events or whatever uh, that we can all either block out or own to. Mm. Um, so I find it really beautiful in a way to be able to turn something that's sad, funny, or something, uh, horrific, funny. <laughs> um, and then I think, in turn, I, I believe that the, I guess that's why I like horror or the psychological aspect of it too, because you can let something, uh, something can sour, can be beautiful or horrific. It's just a matter of perspective and time. Yeah. And, and both of them are kind of like taking us to these things that we would rather, um, you know, suppress or repress, I guess, uh, to use a psychological term. And so, yeah, we, we have these ill feelings that we just kind of want to gloss over and get past and just pretend never happened. Right. Uh, and comedy, uh, helps us sort of like look at those things and laugh at them. Right. And sort of disempower them maybe in that way. And horror makes us sort of face up to them. Um, as look at straight in the eyes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> as the character does in Mary, right. As the, as the salesman does in Mary, he has to essentially, have a conversation with his mother that he uh, avoided, right? And, and have a conversation with his guilt about um, his mother, right? At the same right. time. And so, yeah, it's a really kind of, it's very chilling. Um, there's a lot of, uh, I, I admire the detail that goes into the work, uh, into the into the film. Um, forgive me if this is, if I'm reading something into it that wasn't there, <laughs> maybe this was just accidental, <laughs> but like behind him on the, on the wall, there seems to be like the hint of a face. Um, was that, is that purposeful or am I? So <laughs> that, that you're not the first person who's asked that okay. and it's 50, 50. It's okay. one of those things where that was, I think a watermark or a stain from before. That's the lobby of convergence continuum theater. Okay. And we like just turn stuff around. And I think I, I think I probably took a painting off and that was there, but instead of putting something back on, uh, you know, I chose to leave it. Oh. I thought it was creepy. <laughs> okay. So it's serendipitous yeah. on some level, but, right. but you noticed it. Right. And so you did yeah. sort of leave it. Yeah. So there is this, uh, in Ari Aster's movie, that Midsummer movie, there's like a scene where you see the dead sister's face in the mountainside, right? There's something like yeah. subtly psychological about that. And actually one of my students, I showed them the film uh, in class last week and uh, he came up to me and he said, I couldn't, I couldn't get my eyes off that face on the wall. <laughs> he was, he was all like kind of disturbed by it, on some <laughs> level. And, uh, which was, I guess, I guess funny, but maybe pedagogically inappropriate from, of me. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but whatever but um but yeah so like all the details are that go into that movie um are all sort of geared at this psychological 
um, effect that you're trying to sort of get at though. And, and I, I really did think it was just, just fascinating. Um, this is a very collaborative work too, not just between you and the actors. I mean, you're co-directing it and, um, and it's written from another script. So there's a lot of sort of different, um, perspectives on the material that come together to create the final product. Um, how does it, like, how does collaborative, how messy is it, I suppose? Are there sort of like fights? Are there, is there, is it just sort of a, uh, I'm not fights in a, I mean, sometimes I suppose they're probably right. drag out fights, but just kind of, I don't know, walk us through the messiness of that process. Sure. Um, well, it was also during COVID, so it was really, really difficult to, you can't just be in the same room with somebody. We were all over Zoom. Um, so just those barriers, I'm sure that we're all familiar with, mm -hmm. made it much more difficult. But um, yeah, I mean, it. I'm, I, I wouldn't want it any other way, you know, to, to not collaborate. Um, but yeah, my co-director, Dan, um, you know, just this was his first foray into film, um, but really knows his, knows his stuff, mm -hmm. you know, so um, had strong opinions and would sometimes be stubborn about things that would frustrate me. But <laughs> later I would be, you know, very grateful for Um but still sometimes being like, hey, we don't have time to do a scene where a shopping cart's on fire just driving down the street. Um, we don't have a permit and, we, and this is going to take like an extra three hours. So just trying to like navigate those logistics too. But um, as we were loading in for the last day or the, you know, the final scene, um, I... With, so what was supposed to happen um well should i not talk about spoilers or does it matter oh i think uh, it's uh, just as long as you let the people it's a short know film yeah, yeah. spoiler spoiler <laughs> alert if you yeah if take, you really want to watch mary yeah. and pause this watch it 13 <laughs> minutes later yes. play the rest of this podcast exactly um so the final scene was supposed to be written uh or was written that um uh rich is stabbing this mary character mm. and there's blood everywhere and brownie mix and and i and um i wasn't quite sure about that and i also wasn't quite sure how we would pull that off on camera um i think that you either need to have really good special effects or you need to lean into the camp um and you know i i suggested what if rich smothers Mary and um that just kind of like we all stopped <laughs> thought about it um and then Dan was like well what if he smothers her lifts the pillow and she's still alive I'm like, okay <laughs> and um just just figuring out that scene together to make it um you know I was coming at it from just a production standpoint too of like producing this bloody stab brownie scene might not work out well and we're gonna have to clean up this theater and the owners aren't like super excited about <laughs> all that mess uh and then it turned into something that was in my opinion uh so much more creepy and beautiful and sad um 
And one thing I want to say about I think horror is great is that um, and is cathartic in a way of you need to like push through these emotions to get to the other side. And I feel like you're then forged through fire uh, from it. So anyway, that's why I found um, directing that cathartic. But uh, anyway, this was a very collaborative piece. Uh, even on the last day together, we were coming up with a new ending on the spot. And most uh some justin was such a gracious um writer he was like i trust you guys to do um what what you think is right um you know i know i know i've left it in good hands um on the day tyler and brad our um our dp and our uh location sound mixer but uh also kind of assistant dp helped come up with great um you know uh, shooting solutions to that uh that red void that we that we created um yeah i would even stop and just ask people hey <laughs> what are your thoughts on this um i was lucky enough to work camera to operate camera in a casting session for Catherine bigelow once um it was for detroit which was <laughs> not her best film <laughs> but um I was in there and uh, she just watching her work uh, directing um, these actors afterwards was amazing. But then she would turn to me and say, well, what do you think, Joe? Do you have any notes? I'm like, no, I think it's good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's pressure. Wow. (laughs) Well, what if you did it with the English accent? No, but um, yeah, just, just taking cues from some some uh, you know some oscar winner next to me that uh she's not going to turn down a note if it's good yeah um, oh yeah you know, yeah you know she's not going to shut out um uh, somebody's ideas just because she doesn't know who they are and they're getting paid 150 bucks to shoot this casting session or something yeah. um you know uh just being so open to the community of collaboration i thought was pretty inspiring yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, honestly, Near Dark is like one of the, I mean, her, her movie, her vampire movie from the 80s, one of the great vampire movies of all yeah. time, actually. And so, um, yeah, that's really, I'm, I'm in awe of just being in your the Zoom presence with you, of <laughs> someone who worked with Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, it was Detroit, though, so my bad. <laughs> <laughs> so it's your fault. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um, <laughs> and on it, go back to the the decision though to do the smothering instead of the stabbing though yeah and it's one of those things it's almost like the artwork has a mind of its own um because that really thematically fits i mean she dies of lung cancer i do believe right exactly, and so yeah it actually like it fits better uh and and it's really uh it's really interesting that it worked out through this kind of like collective consciousness right and uh that's that's fascinating to me it's a really interesting insight yeah it's like field of dreams but with art like the art finds you (laughs) yeah 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 as mary did for me in my life yeah yeah. and i just want to kind of say also um there are people who value practical skills I, i work in education right and so there are people who value the practical skills over the arts right and lots of theater programs in our area are being shut down and um fortunately i work at a place that's actually not doing that we're actually sort of very enthusiastic about theater here um and so i think it's we're a sisters of mercy school and i think there's a um uh understanding that 
theater and the arts in general like support this kind of like um religious uh mission of the sisters of mercy right and um uh and one of the ways is i mean i think that there's a really great book called um shop class as soul craft by matthew c crawford it's basically a philosophy book but what's um, it called shop class as soul craft um shop class as soul craft yeah okay. and and he, he basically he's a, a philosopher he's an academic philosopher who also loves motorcycles uh and so he sort of starts his own kind of business repairing motorcycles and he kind of walks you through the way in which this is actually doing the problem solving of like physical things like that, um, of like, you know, wood shop and, 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 you know, machining and all that kind of thing, um, actually walks you through a problem solving process that is a high form of education, right? You know, and, and so I think, um, the arts, that's one thing the arts provide people is these, like you're encountering, um, really interesting, abstract problems and you have to come up with creative solutions uh to solve them on the fly and i think that the it's a it's a great argument you make for the arts as an essential part of your education right and i think that that's oh, absolutely that, that's really really great um well joe um i want to let you finish up if there's any kind of thing that you want to talk about or or, uh, or cover before we uh i let you go no, not unless there's a another question or uh, something I should revisit and say better. <laughs> no, not at all. No, this was fascinating. I I love the the insight here. Um, I I know nothing about like improv and stuff. For me, it's just very intimidating. The idea of getting up there, uh, it would always be too intimidating to try, right? But um, you make a really good case for you know, the benefits of doing that kind of thing, right? And how it spills over into the production of, of, of films and, and other kinds of art forms, right? And uh, oh, yeah. uh, and so, yeah, I think it's something that, you know, uh, maybe I at some point should just, you know, get over my fear and, and give it a shot sometime uh, just to sort of like see how I develop uh, in yeah. these circumstances. But no, that's cool. Actually, a good qu uh, a quote from Del Close, the founder of improv as uh, an art form, uh, he would say, follow the fear. Mm. So maybe that's bringing it full circle. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, how can I, I feel like I should just not say anything now. It's the perfect <laughs> last sentence for the podcast, actually. So, But I do want to um, let people know how they can find you. You do have a website, callmejoe.com. Um, with J O uh, C A L L M E J O.com. I'll put that link in the description uh, of the episode here so people can uh, find it uh, and catch up with your work. It, um, I assume you're film festivaling um, <laughs> the, the, this work and, and um... yeah, uh, Mary, sir. Uh, yeah. Currently in the, in the press phase of the, the piece um and you know through that we've gotten a couple waivers for film festivals so we'll see if it plays anywhere but right now you can find it on vimeo or my website um you know or you can catch my instagram oh yeah yeah <laughs> at awkwardly jazzy awkwardly okay i'm, I'm yeah. not really on i have an instagram but i don't i never look at it yeah. um, i'm on twitter i'm not on i'm kind of on it okay same handle <laughs> okay yeah I'll, I'll look that up and i'll put that in the description as well um joe thank you so much this was such a, a delight i really really enjoyed um talking to you i really enjoyed the work you've done first of all um and i really enjoyed getting just a little peer behind the curtain uh, of how this uh kind of comes into being here and uh i wish you well and please keep in touch if you have further work in the future uh please 
reach out awesome. to me. <laughs> I'm happy Certainly, to, uh, yeah, to let you promote it. Pleasure. Yeah, I'm happy yeah. to let you promote it in any way you want. Uh, and anybody listening, if you have anything you're doing, you want to reach out to me, uh, pretty easy to find. Uh, so you can find me at, uh, uh, well, you can find danny.p.anderson at gmail.com is my uh, email address. So you can catch me there. Um, but for Joe Rue, my name is Danny Anderson, thanking you for listening to another episode of the Sectarian Review Podcast. Uh, if you have any comments about this show, don't hesitate to let me know. I'm happy to interact with my listeners. I always blow the outro. Wow. <laughs> I tuned out by then. <laughs> you know, this is I'm pushing 200 episodes of the show, and wow, I've always that's awesome. uh, well, I've always thought I should just. Uh, sorry, I don't know what's going on here. What song is that? I like it. It is. Uh, sorry, I don't know why it won't shut up. Um, I have an old iPad. Um, iPad. It's a uh, an old. Uh, traditional like spiritual song called satan your kingdom must come down um i actually found this there's a a spanish band that did a cover of it and i messaged them and asked if i could use it as my (laughs) and they said well we're kind of defunct as a band but go ahead (laughs) oh that's awesome so yeah so i've been using it for years now um, it's a really great uh rendition of that song she's a spanish singer and and they do like it's a weird interesting like spanish band that does like americana kind of music and so yeah it's like weird it's a eerie nostalgia (laughs) southwest (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and her accent is just kind of just alien enough from the material that i thought made it really interesting thing actually yeah so, yeah, so. Cool. well thank you so much joe this was a real delight and like i'm i'm not just blowing smoke if you uh, ever want to come back on the show to promote whatever uh let me know and uh, okay, awesome. i'm, I'm happy you. to uh happy to oblige and if i'm ever in town i'll shoot you an email and maybe we can, uh, meet up sometime so yeah uh, awesome yeah, well Danny, thanks so much for watching Mary and like, oh, no. you know, accepting that this wasn't a spam link, fishing <laughs> link or something. Well, I opened it anyway, but yeah, um, yeah. no, no, it was great. I have that page and I kind of forget sometimes that, you know, people can find me. <laughs> and so, yeah. It was, yeah, it happens every now and then, but yeah, um, no, it was a real, a real pleasant uh, surprise. It was a really great uh, um, addition to my, my viewing and, and I really enjoyed the movie. And so I'm looking forward to following your career and seeing wherever you go. So, oh. Man, likewise. Right. And um, when will the podcast be um, out? So it'll be a week from Thursday. I have one coming out this Thursday, and I'm just going to push this one out next Thursday. Um, okay, for the cool. Net- yeah, that's the open day for me on the network, and so that's what it'll be. So I'll send you an email with a link uh, to okay. it when it does come out. So, all right. Awesome. Danny, well, thank you so much for your time. Yes. It's been great meeting you. Yes, you too. Yeah. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. See you.